Well, happy now to continue our new podcast series presented proudly by Blackfoot Communications, catching up with the Cats, and you're in luck. Back-to-back offensive linemen to get this thing kicked off. This week, we'll be joined by J.P. Flynn. He's an All-American at Montana State, his career culminating in 2016 for the Bobcats, and now a local business guy and well as well as a football coach there in Bozeman. J.P., good catching up, man. How you living? Oh, man, I'm living good. Can't complain when you're, when you're in Bozeman full-time. I'm surprised that I'm actually getting a hold of you on, a, on an afternoon when the weather's probably pretty darn nice, because I expected you'd probably just be fishing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, fishing has come to a little bit of a halt these days. With this. Well, one, because of the, the water levels this summer, and then uh, two, just uh, a lot of my free time goes to, uh, you know, girlfriend's kids and, and Raptor football. Let's start there. We'll start with the here right now. The football angle of this whole thing is you are still in Bozeman, and you are coaching at Bozeman Gallatin High School, which is the newest high school in the Class AA ranks here in the state of Montana. Just the second football season for Bozeman Gallatin, but off to a 2-0 start. Uh, Just talk about how you kind of got into coaching, because this is a unique challenge, sort of bringing a new high school to fruition, a new high school football program. I know you, yourself, and the rest of the coaching staff, a lot of young guys that had a lot of football success themselves as players. What's it been like so far, just sort of building up this Gallatin Raptors uh, football program so far? You know, it's been a, it's been a total blast. I've had a ton of fun with it. It's a great way to get back connected to the game. Uh, we got a good staff. I kind of got into it because uh, my girlfriend, her brother, is the wrestling coach for Gallatin, and his assistant is Hunter Chandler, who is obviously the head football coach at Gallatin. And him and I, that's how we met. You know, we met through through wrestling and, and Nate and Carolyn. And so we started, you know, talking, hitting it off. He kind of asked me some questions about about football. And then he was like, gosh, I'd love to have you be an O-line coach. And, I'd be, uh, and I, you know, I kind of drug my feet out and just mainly because I knew myself and how much, you know, how much of a time commitment it was going to be. You know, and I was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. And then... About three weeks after doing that, he calls me and he goes, hey, I actually, uh, I'd love if you'd call the offense. And I was like, okay, that's a totally different ballgame. We'll start building the playbook. So then I started, you know, hitting up Cramsey, McIndoo, all the old, all my uh, old coaches kind of, kind of picking their brains on what I wanted to do and what I wanted to put together and everything's just been downhill since then and it's been a ton of fun man i love it this is like every offensive lineman's dream right actually getting to call the plays but you had a lot of guys to, you mentioned jason mcadoo tim Cramsey. you had a lot of great coaches during your time at montana state so uh, how would you define sort of the identity of jp flynn's offense you know i would say we're a run first rpo uh team you know i think we all know that if you can't run the ball your offense isn't going to have a ton of success especially at the high school level um you know, trying to go five wide and spread things out and chuck the rock back and forth is is a difficult thing to do with a high school quarterback. And so what we try and do is we know what I really try and do is make sure to coach to the personnel, not to the scheme. You know, so I would say we're, we're an evolving identity at all times, you know, because every year you're going to have a new group of kids, a new quarterback, I knew maybe you have a big offensive line that year. Maybe you're a little undersized, whatever it may be. So for me, the big thing is just making sure that we're setting up our kids to have the most success that they possibly can. You know, if it were, you know, if it were me, I'd obviously say, hey, let's run power every single play. But that's not the reality of high school football. And so 
kind of what you got to do is, you know, be continually evolving, continually learning and trying to find different ways. Uh, like I said, to set kids up for success and make sure that they're uh, in the best position to succeed. But it's fascinating to me, too, because we've seen sort of this infiltration one. in the high school football ranks, particularly at the AA schools in Missoula and Bozeman, because there's been a lot of guys that played for the Bobcats and the Grizzlies that stuck around and wanted to make their homes in the place that they went to college, and they started getting involved in coaching. But I think that it is a huge influence. I mean, you see Bozeman High School's had this going on for about 10 years already. I know Bobby Daly, Roger Cooper, those guys used to coach there as well. But you, know, you yourself, you mentioned Hunter Chandler. He's a great player for Bozeman High back in the day and then played up at Montana. Say Northern. I know Tucker Yates, former Bobcat, is helping out too. But do you feel like the message sort of resonates with the kids a little more since you guys are sort of young and you, you had a little bit of, you know, quote-unquote fame when you were playing for the Bobcats? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would I would just hope that the kids, you know, the the one thing that I learned from Coach Choate while I, the, for the one year I had him is that, you know, a coach's job is to love his players, a player's job is to love each other. And so that was like kind of the message that we that we try and portray is and you know kind of branching off of that is that as a kid, you know, he wants to know how much you care before he cares how much you know about football. Yes, I think all the kids and you know on our team they realize that our staff has a has a a pretty good football knowledge and that we will always, you know, scheme as much as we can and do as much as we possibly can when it comes to X's and O's. But at the end of the day, they're just high school kids. You know, they want to, they want you to care about them. And so we kind of, the one thing that I think we do a good job of on our staff here is make sure that those kids know that we have their backs no matter what. And then in turn, I think that that builds the relationship, you know, for them to, to have our backs and, you know, on the flip side of that, and so I think that resonates a lot more with the kids than the quote-unquote fame of, of us playing does. Well, let's talk about the, the your days with Montana State. First of all, let's go all the way back to your high school days. I remember when the Jason McAdoo was still the offensive line coach at Montana State. He's a guy that taught me so much about football and, and was always so good to me uh, when I was at the newspaper there in Bozeman Then when I first started out on my own deal uh, with within what became Skyline Sports. But Coach Mack, I remember – he would always give me little tips without ever breaking the rules when it came to recruiting. And I remember one day he texted me and he was like, hey, you might want to keep an eye out and do some research about this high school in Iowa, Bettendorf High School in Bettendorf, Iowa. And then I remember a couple days later, I got a text from you saying, hey, I just committed to Montana State and I heard you're the local guy and uh, that Coach Max said, hey, give you a call and maybe you want to do a little story. So I remember we did a story way back when you were a senior in high school. Uh, but what do you remember about the first time you met Coach McIndoo and, and sort of your first introduction to Montana State football. Well, also it was funny because I remember my brother, you know, saying he played at Drake his senior year of college, and he played at Montana State when they were the number twenty-two team in the country. And I called him and I'm BSing with him. I'm like, Ah, what do you? How's this week look? He's like, Yeah, we're going to play the number twenty-two team in the country. Back then, you know, they had Mentor and and Daily Schreibice. I know I'm Ogden might have still been on the team on the D line, so you know, he's kinda of going on about it was gonna be a rough week up front. And I was like, Oh, crazy, you know? And then, you know, started sending out my highlight tape to literally every school in the country. And sure enough, a few weeks later I get a call from, from Coach Mack and I was like, Whoa, that's from Montana. They're the number twenty two team in the country you know what I mean? It kinda of, you know, it made a big deal to me. But it's funny kinda of how it all fell into place and 
first time I talked to him, you know, he was asking me more X's and O stuff. And then the second time I talked to him, we started talking about, you know, schoolwork and things along those lines. And, you know, it all kind of felt, you know, rolled downhill. And then I went out on a visit out there, met him in person. He came to, he came to, uh, he came to school and then he came over to the house and had dinner at the house and I committed there and probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Well, when you say you were sending out highlight film all over the place, were you having a tough time getting recruited? Uh, I did have a tough time. Coach Chandler just walked up. Say what's up. Colt, are you there? I'm here. What's up, Coach Chandler? I said, what's going on? I wanted to interview with him. Oh, yeah. So, no, I did have a tough time getting recruited out of high school, actually, because I didn't do many camps because I was uh, I was a baseball player. So I had a, I had a ton of – I didn't do the, the whole summer circuit, I guess, which, the, you know, most of the kids are doing nowadays. So I didn't I didn't get in front of a lot of college coaches, you know I kind of had to rely on my on my highlight tape and so I remember the only Montana State was an offer, South Dakota came on late and then Northern Iowa offered, um, the about 35 seconds after I committed to Coach McIndoe. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. To more. Fascinating, because I remember when you first showed up on campus, and I, 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 that surprises me because I thought you were pretty much college ready from the day that you showed up at MSU. So uh, interesting to see. I also think it's fascinating, too, though, that a lot of times the guys that don't get a ton of offers but are multi-sport athletes, I feel like those guys, they have the motivation but also the upside to just accelerate so fast once they dedicate themselves to football. So did you see that once you stopped playing baseball and just really dedicate yourself, the weight room and things like that, to just your football talents take off? I mean, honestly, my football talents took off because of because of Jason McIndoe. That was, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about that. That was, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been anywhere near the player that I was. So we can we can just accredit that to him, not to multiple sports, not to I mean anything. He was he was the guy. He was the guy, man. It was so fascinating to watch him too because. You know, most I'm an offensive lineman at heart, so I, I always watch the the big boys up front. It's 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 the key to the game, no matter what program you're covering. But that said, I always found myself going over and watching Mac because his drills are so good. He's so detail oriented. He was making everybody, whether you're the All American or the walk on, better. Uh, but what did you learn from him? I mean, because he turned basically every guy that that bought into what he was selling, he turned them into an elite players. So why is he such a great coach? You know, I thought it was just his work ethic. You know, a lot of coaches, you know, I think they kind of just rely on the guys that they recruit. You know, Mac, you saw time and time again that Mac was dealt a a crappy hand, whether it was injuries or guys, you know, going a different direction. They didn't want to play football anymore. And no matter what, at the end of the day, he always put out five guys who 
were going to play their butts off for him. And I think they wanted to play their butts off for him because of the work ethic that he put in. You know, he wake up at four o'clock every day, putting together blitz cutups, putting together, you know, play sheets, whatever it was, you know, and he was so, so dedicated to the game that his work ethic made those guys great players, but it also showed them that he was willing to do whatever it took to win, so you were going to do whatever it took to win come Saturdays. So your first year on campus at Montana State, you're redshirted uh, in 2012, and that was the third of three straight Big Sky Conference championship seasons for the Bobcats. And uh, I know that you were going against a lot of really talented players during that redshirt year. And I know you were moving with the varsity a little bit and, and practicing with the ones and twos sometimes too, but uh, what do you remember about that 2012 team? What did you learn from those guys? And what was it like going against guys like Caleb Schreibice and Zach Minter and Brad Daly every day you know to be honest it was a bit of an eye-opening experience to say the least you know um yeah I got I got bumped up kind of into the two deep with just due to injuries not due to anything I did um and I think the one thing I I mean going against those guys obviously was a was a horror horror movie every single day but I'd say more of the scary part was playing next to a guy named Sean Sampson. Sean Sampson was like six foot one, two hundred pounds out of high school from Helena. I know he went to Capitol, and he played in MSU center, and he might have been six one, two hundred and sixty pounds at his heaviest. And he was a technician. He was, I mean, literally everything that guy did was perfection. And I remember one time I played next to him and I stepped on his foot and I saw my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> that was that was the real scary, the real scare out of that entire senior group that was there that, that year, that 2012 season. What did you think of the example that those guys set? Because that was a... a pretty fun group, but also a pretty driven group. And uh, some of those guys, I mean, Daly and Strybice, both former walk-ons, you know, a lot of guys that overcame some stuff. Sampson, you mentioned, he's kind of an undersized center. Jody Owens, not the biggest guy in the world, but played with his hair on fire as well. So uh, being sort of the young guy amongst that group, what did you learn from them that you carried on then into the rest of your career? You know, I mean, gosh, there's a, there's a, a list, you know, I could, I could talk about that forever, you know, but, I would say, especially watching Sean Sampson play, that was was more of the the attention to detail, um, you know, and it's in offensive line, you know, position is very detail oriented, you know, you can you can be successful, just you know, if you miss with one thing, you can fix it with your feet, or if you stick with your hands, your feet can be messed up, and some, you know, Sean didn't mess miss anything, you know, and the attention to detail that that group put in was was pretty remarkable because they were so undersized up front. They were out athleted every week, week in and week out, and every time they went out and they put a show on on Saturdays because they were so detail oriented. And even now, when I'm trying to coach high school kids, I try and get them to pay attention to details, pay attention to details, and little things turn into big things. And I would say that group was very very good at the little things. Catching up the cats with J.P. Flynn, our new podcast series here, SkylineSportsMT.com, as well as in association with ESPN Montana. 
Blackfoot Communications, thanks so much to Blackfoot for all their support of all of our podcasting endeavors. JP, then 2013, you turned the corner, you become a starter, and then that sort of sparked what became an outstanding career where you started basically every game when you were healthy and uh, were a captain of the team by the time you were a senior. But you guys, you mentioned the sort of the offensive line group you took over for, and it was sort of then this next wave of a bunch of young guys that were in the lineup. You and John Widenauer and Alex Ekoff and a bunch of other guys as well. So sort of breaking into the lineup together as a unit. What was that, what was that dynamic like? Because it seemed like you guys sort of meshed together, became pretty cohesive because you were kind of all going through it as young guys together. Yeah, we were, We you know, we called ourselves the Fat Four plus John. You know? <laughs> John was in good shape, so we couldn't, we couldn't call him fat. But no, we were, we were a tight-knit group. We were, we did everything together. Hung out on weekends, ate dinner, you know, we lived together. I mean, it was, with that group was a was a very 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 great group of guys to play the game with and go to college with. We had a ton of fun, ton of fun together, and we had a lot of success because of it. You know, come Saturdays we knew we had each other's backs. We knew where everyone was going to be, and and it just made the game fun. You know, we were uh, like I said, yeah, that that group of guys is a group of guys that I'll never forget, and I'm glad I was able to go through that experience with them consistency in the coaching ranks in terms of Jason McAdoo leading the offensive line, at least leading up until your last couple years there at MSU, but there was so much turnover at the offensive coordinator position, mostly because Montana State was just so good on offense for the, pretty much the entire decade. It seemed like every time a new guy would come in, Montana State would do great, and then that guy would get a new job. So, learning so many offenses, from an offensive lineman perspective, what did that take? You know, well, it was funny because when, when Cramsey came in, he was just, you know, high octane. We're going to score a billion points. We don't. We're going to score on one play. And he was, I mean, he was a blast to play for, man. I, gosh, he was awesome. But the one, the one, you know, caveat to that was, I remember when we, you remember that game when we played Eastern Washington and we lost fifty-two to fifty-one on Vernon, oh, yeah. Vernon Adams two-point conversion. So we lost that game, and during that game, because I was on punt and PAT, I had like one hundred and nineteen snaps that game between the three units. And then, you know, we, we flip, we get a new, we get Messingham, and Messingham is more of, hey, control the tempo of the game, run the ball, huddle up. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to control the game and the pace of this game and not let the defense dictate what we want to do. And I remember, like, senior year rolling in, and I'd go into the weight room and be, you know, lifting a bunch of weight, and Wilcox, the weight coach at the time, would come up to me and be like, geez, what got into you? I was kind of like, I don't know. And Choate walks in the weight room, and I'd be giving, you know, some D-lineman grief about, you know, not doing doing enough weight or something like that. He'd be like, hey, take it easy. He took 64 snaps of defense yesterday, and I kind of, you know, put two and two together. I was like, wow, yeah, I only played 65 plays yesterday. Like 50% of what I used to do. (laughs) You know, it was – I would say, like, the different scheme, you know, the scheme was, you know, for the most part, every college – college coach is somewhat the same unless you're playing for like Mike Leach or something like that you know but you know inside zone is inside zone outside zone is outside zone power is power you know pass protections pass protections you know six man five man whatever it is it's all pretty much the same but I would say that was the big difference in the in the coaches that I noticed was was mindset and philosophy of you know what the plan was on offense and then I guess I should say getting used to that new philosophy was the bigger 
the bigger difficulty or, you know, step to overcome. Tim Cramsey, one of the unforgettable people we've covered at Skyline Sports. He was just such a funny and uh, fun guy to be around and, and just so entertaining and always was talking smack to somebody. Well, my indelible memory of Tim Cramsey was against Cal Poly, and you guys just lit it up that afternoon. But I remember uh, Sean Johnson scored on like a 60-yard wheel route up the sideline, and Cramsey's standing at the middle of the field yelling across at Cal Poly's defensive coordinator. But do you have any Cramsey memories like that? Because, I mean, he had a lot of fun calling plays and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he did that every time he scored. It was great. My favorite crazy memory was we walk in, he's giving us like a pregame speech, and I can't remember what game it was, but he walks in and he's talking about how we got to be a band of brothers and we got to play as a unit. All 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball have to play as one and we're going to have success. And, you know, it's pregame, you know, so you're getting pretty pretty juiced up and, you know, you're getting the goosebumps. And then he, he pulls a pencil out of his pocket and he hands it to someone. He goes, hey, try and break that pencil. Kid snaps the pencil. He's like, yeah, see what happens when you're by yourself? Then he pulls out a, a, you know, a wad of 11 pencils rubber banded together. He goes, yeah, now try and break that. He couldn't break it. <laughs> like trying to prove a point of, of 11 people all working together on the same page. And that, I mean, that's something that I'll never forget. It was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that is. That's a great Tim Cramsey story. Transitioning then into uh, the 2015 season. That was a, such a weird and fascinating season to cover for sure. I know probably from your perspective, a uh, disappointing one, but you guys lit it up, led the country in scoring. Uh, I think top five in total offense. Dakota Prukop was a Walter Payton nominee. And I mean, the, the points came in bunches, but a tough year for the Montana State defense and pretty much every game seemed like it was a shootout. Uh, so from your perspective, navigating that 2015 season, what do you remember about that? Uh, that yeah, that 2015 season it was it was rough. We had we had all the talent in the world, um, just lacked a little bit of leadership, you know. I think that the, uh, you know, from the top down, you know, the coaching staff was all trying to micromanage, be a micro head coach. The the team didn't really have any true leadership, and you know, from that standpoint, it you know it showed on the field on on Saturdays, you know, and on you know. It was obviously hard to be on the offensive side of the ball. You'd go out and you put a nice drive together, score a touchdown, and then before you even got like a drink of water and, you know, some guy was screaming the other way, going 80 yards for another one, you know. But at the same time, uh, although it was although it was disappointing, I still think that it was still fun to be a part of that team. That team was a, you know, there's a bunch of good dudes on that team. Um Seniors were that was a great class of seniors. It was fun to it was fun to be a part of that offense and that yeah I mean like I said navigating that year was obviously pretty tough but at the same time you know we're still playing football for Montana State and Bozeman so there's you know not a whole lot to complain about. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. 
And then the following season, Rob Ash uh, dismissed. Following 2015, Jeff Choate comes in. So uh, the transition to Choate, I thought, was so interesting because so many of the guys that were sort of the stalwart leaders of that team, yourself and Chad Newell and Gunnar Brecky, those guys, you guys seem to gravitate and buy into Choate pretty darn early. But why? Well, what about Choate? Because he's such a compelling and and dynamic character. But uh, how was he able to win you guys over uh, pretty quick? Uh, He's a player's coach. That's why. I mean, we went from a guy who was kind of a little bit, you know, more involved with boosters and, you know, the fan experience and all that kind of stuff to a guy who was just 100% about his players. And if you weren't on board for that, then you could piss off. You know, it wasn't that was just a big thing that was evident very, very, very quickly, you know, and I was kind of salty when they didn't hire Cramsey as the head coach and I was pissed off. And I remember my first phone call with Joe and I pretty much told him, Hey, you aren't going to earn my respect. And, uh, you don't get my respect until, you know, you earn it. And he told me the same thing. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it was pretty easy, pretty easy to gravitate towards him. Honestly, he was a great dude. I love Joe. Me too, man. We miss him a lot for sure because uh, media guys dream, but also, I mean, Choate is so compelling when he speaks. Everything he says is like, it's motivating to anybody. If you actually listen to what he's saying, he's got so many good sayings. He's got so many ways of sort of helping you navigate your life. And uh, I used to just always leave his press conferences just thinking, man, I would always think hard about everything he'd said because I think he is just sort of that dynamic uh, guy. So uh, first of all, let's talk about your senior year, 2016. Um, uh, definitely a transition and going from you know, such an offensive-minded team to then this defensive-minded coach that wanted to run the ball, pound the rock. I know it was sort of rocky road initially, but then you break through through with a couple huge wins, including ones that probably set the table for then what became a great run of success these last couple years at MSU. So take us through your memories of your senior year in 2016. You know, senior year, honestly, was probably some of the most fun I ever had playing football. And I know that's kind of crazy to say. We went four and seven. Um, but I just had such a good group of dudes. You know, like you said, Gunner, Chad, uh, Austin Barth. You know, I had a young group of old linemen that were awesome. Dylan Mahoney, Alex Neal, Mitch Pratt. Um, all those dudes were so much fun to play football with. And knowing that what we were doing, even though we were going to struggle, was bigger than, than bigger than us. You know, we were, we were laying, trying to lay a foundation for years to come and buying into, like you said, what, what Choate was trying to do. Um, and understanding that there was going to be some rocky points in that was was obviously difficult. But since we had some good leadership on that team that year, I think it was it was it gave us the ability to really have fun with football, and then, like I said, in turn, lay the foundation for the years to come. How do you have that perspective as a young guy? Because yeah, it's sort of hard to not want to at least prioritize yourself a little bit when you're in the middle of your last college football season. I don't know, man. I couldn't tell you. Uh, like, looking back on it, that was, you know, I remember one time Gunner and I, God, we were in the middle of, like, a four-game losing streak or something like that. And Gunner and I go up to Choate's office, and we, we went to check on him. <laughs> you know, we were like, gosh, what's what's going on, buddy? Like, how are you? Like, is there anything you want us to do? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, he just, I remember he put his phone down, turned his computer off, and we just sat there and BS for like 30 minutes and talked about, you know, football, life, you know, how we need to be successful in the field, keep the energy up, continue to, you know, continue to push and 
drive and you know i don't know i i seriously don't know what it's like how it, how that all happened out i think it was just we just kind of hopped on the choke bandwagon and didn't look back Let's talk about that last game of your senior year before we get into some uh, some NFL memories. You guys go to Missoula, and uh, you run the ball straight down the Grizzlies' throats, and it was one of the most eye-opening and uh, perhaps satisfying, particularly for Montana State fans, Kakarou's victories of all time, and you march into Missoula and earn a 24-17 win. Chris Murray has the pass very towards the very end to Connor Sullivan down the sideline, but you guys seem to sort of be licking your lips coming into that thing. The offensive front sort of knew that you guys were going to dominate the point of attack, dominate the line of scrimmage, but how did you prepare for that game, and how were you guys able to execute and pull such what at the time seemed like such a shocking upset you know it was it was kind of crazy because we went from a mindset of you know with ash it was kind of like hey cat grizz is just another game with cho he pretty much said no this is the super bowl you know we are treating this like a super bowl every single year this game is the super bowl in the story and so that mindset throughout the entire week you know it was totally different it was so much fun to do we were pissed off every day at practice. I mean, it was it was awesome. And to be honest, we went into that game, and I didn't even really know what the game plan was. It just seemed like we were kind of all over the week and, you know, that week in practice. And, you know, we showed up and executed well, and that game was – I mean, that was probably one of – for me personally, it was probably the best game of football I ever played. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. One of the indelible memories of that game, you guys ran some sort of pull and pin and you were getting upfield and he kicked out Connor Strom, the Grizz middle linebacker, and Chris Murray cut right off your butt and it was off the races, like a 60-yard touchdown. Do you remember that play? Yeah, vividly. That's to be one of your favorite you memories, right? Oh yeah, that was a blast. That was a fun – we ran – I mean, we ran draw that week or that game like – I don't even know how many times. Maybe like eight or nine times. And that week during practice, we knew that they were going to spy Chris. And so they told Armstrong and I, we just decided that I was the guy going on the QB spy. And I had some disdain for that guy, uh, number 10, and – that was just, you know, an emotional game. And in that game, you kind of you up your level of play just a little bit. And, you know, that play specifically was one that I'll, I'll never forget. It was awesome. Well, that moment, that win solidified what Jeff Jordan had been preaching. And I know you never got another shot to go against the Grizzlies, but put in perspective how you feel about the Montana State program now, because you guys definitely did lay the foundation for sort of the resurgence, and that moment was definitely a huge building block. And then since then, Montana State has dominated the in-state rivalry. So uh, you must take a lot of pride in the fact that you guys were sort of able to lay that first brick, so to speak, of the Jeff Choate era as he dominated Montana. You know, I hope so. You know, I hope we had something to do with it. You know, I, I don't know those. I just know that's that's all on, that's all on 
on show. You know, he, he does such a great job getting those kids ready for that game. Or I should say did a great job of getting those kids ready for that game. That I don't think that had anything to do with, do with us. That was all him. And I'm just glad I got, like you said, glad I was able to be a part of that first brick, so to speak. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Well, you graduate from Montana State, and uh, then you go and you get yourself a shot in the NFL. And I'm sure that was a dream come true for you. A lot of guys dream about doing it. Very few guys get an opportunity to do it. Spent a couple years there, the San Francisco 49ers. What was your? Did you? What was the the first of all? I guess what was the the, the most challenging part about it, trying to make an NFL roster? And what was it like being on the practice squad? I mean, honestly, the most challenging part is just football is not really fun anymore when you get there. You know, it's all it's all a business. It's it's totally taken and looking at a hundred percent differently, and so it's so stressful that every single thing you do could get you fired or keep you on the roster. You know, one or the other. And so it's it definitely is not quite as fun as you imagine it as a kid. You know, to go out and be a part of, but at the same time was definitely a, a, a dream come true and got to meet some very, very cool people along the way during that little little short stint during that cup of coffee. I remember you told me a story once upon a time about the way that they made the practice guys operate. You have to go work out, full-fledged workout, and then you have to go to practice. So just refresh my memory on that, though, because you were going against mostly guys in practice, some of the fiercest defensive linemen in the league. I mean, I know DeForest Buckner was playing for the Niners back then. So uh, what do you remember just about the, the battles in practice and sort of the way that you guys had to operate? Uh, it was just a daily battle. Like I said, the, the practice squad was was worked over pretty good. Our uh, our weight coach was not easy on us. So you would wake up, hit your workout at 6 a.m. You know, then you'd go through what everyone else went through, but only the practice squad worked out at 6 a.m. So you'd get get done with your workout, eat breakfast, hit your meetings, get done with walk through, head out to practice. And then you're lined up against, like you said, some of the some of the best guys in the league at the time, and into Forrest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Sheldon Day. You know, it was it was it was a grind. Like it was a true true grind. And you know, you're required to give to give a look, and if you don't give a good look, you're going to get fired. You know, so it was it was a it was it was tough tough running. You know, like every single day was was a difficult day to get through. Mike Person told a great story last week about Justin Smith, former uh, defensive tackle for the Niners, and just how exceptionally freakish he was athletically and just strength-wise. So did you notice that was the guys that you were playing with and practicing against every day? Well, yeah. I mean, I remember going against uh, Forrest Buckner a lot. It just seemed like every time he was lined up across, and he wasn't, obviously, but it just seems that way, you know, when you're going against that caliber of player and person you know it's a little bit different you know Defoe is more of like a he's more of a skilled guy Justin Smith is more of the strength you know defensive lineman and I remember one time he went to like a club swim on me and he's so tall that he whacked me in the back of the head 
and I almost went face first right into the dirt because he is so long and so strong and just being like, oh, my gosh. And, like, you try and punch him, but it doesn't work, you know, because he's so much longer and so much stronger than I am. So it was, you know, it was definitely every single rep was a, was a game-like difficult hard rep to, hard rep to win on. Was that a bizarre experience going from basically having a physical advantage over almost everybody you went against to then having guys that just honestly there's almost nothing you can do? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was it was eye opening. I mean that that jump like it's like all the coaches say every jump you make is just that much more elevated. You know, from starting in middle school, middle school to high school, freshman to JV, JV to varsity you know, and then high school to college and then college to the NFL. I mean, every single jump, the, the talent elevates. And so that jump was absolutely remarkable, remarkable. I'll never, yeah, that is an experience I will definitely never forget. Well, then also an atypical experience for a guy your age, who you're still such a young guy, but you decide to walk away from the game after a couple of years of making a run at it. So what was the thought process like? Because it's pretty tough to, to hang up the cleats for the last time, but particularly, you know, to quote unquote, retire from, from a profession when you're so, uh, when you still so, have so much life to live. I mean, just take us through your decision to, to be done playing football. Uh, that my decision to, to leave football was more forced than personal. Um, after tearing the left patella tendon in San Francisco, um, I went and had surgery at Stanford. And, you know, I tore my right patella again, Cat Grizz my junior year and came back senior year, no problems. And so I thought, you know, same thing is going to happen here. And uh, surgery just wasn't quite as clean as the first one. And, I tried to come back, gave it everything I had, you know, went to camp again that second year, banged it up a little bit, took a few weeks off, figured I just needed to do a little more rehab and then I'd make another go at it. And finally, I had nine different doctors take a look at my my scans. And one local Bozeman guy looked at me and he goes, hey, who did your surgery? And I was like, ah, blah, 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 down at Stanford, did it? He goes, oh, do you think he had the janitor's work on it? And I was like, whoa. You know, and that pretty much he told me that I was never going to be able to play football again. And I needed someone to tell me that because I was kind of hanging on to the dream as long as I could. And that, you know, it just, that was it for me. You know, I knew I was never, never going to be, and to be honest, my knee is, it's, it's, it will never be the same the rest, rest of my life. So bummer but obviously everything happens for a reason you know i'm i'm in a great spot now i'm happy with where i'm at i got a great girlfriend she got three kids i love running after them i love coaching high school football and i love my job well tell us about that personal aspect of it because i know you've mentioned your girlfriend a couple times and i know she's part of a, a prominent missoula family that has a lot of grizz ties as well so must get pretty heated during the rivalry week when uh, it's bobcats versus grizz Well, I think it's kind of funny because I think people who didn't play in the game care a lot more than the people who did play in the game. Sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, I think I think you know these people outside looking in, they're not really sure what that game's actually like, and they don't they don't really know you know the experience of it and what it's like to to win or lose that game, and and so for me, 
you know, you know, I'm more concerned about Billings West this week than I am about, you know, the Cats playing Drake. And my brother plays, you know, he coached for the team. Cats, you know, had a, I mean, I don't want to, don't know if I might get shot for saying this, but I fell asleep during the Wyoming game during the last like, six <laughs> minutes of it, you know. You know, for me, it's just I'm, I have so much going on in my own life that, you know, I, that priority isn't quite as big anymore as it used to be. I do want to see them succeed, and I'll always root for them. But it's just funny because I think Carolyn cares a lot more than I do the outcomes of Cat and Grizz games. <laughs> it, it is true, man. And I think when you're immersed in it, too, even from a media perspective, you, you, you realize, too, though, first of all, everybody is – all the subjects that you cover, they're just humans. And – they're just, you know, living their lives. But also, I think that a lot of the fans, they try to make this thing so much about hate and all this stuff. But most of the time, I mean, you might have a couple guys on the Grizz or the Cats where you you have a little bad blood, and it's mostly just sports bad blood. But by and large, it's like it's you kind of have a mutual respect for the opponent, right? Well, that's just it, you know? You know, I had a lot of good buddies on that, that senior year. Uh, Grizzly team. You know, I hung out with Ben Wire a lot, Zach Peavy, Caleb Kidder. You know, I do a lot of those guys, and, you know, we all go through the same struggles to be to be a college football player. You know, it's not something that's that's easy to do. So we all have a mutual respect for each other at the end of the day. You know, and yeah, maybe there's one kid that you made dislike or have some disdain for, but for the most part, you respect the guys that you're playing against. Well, last couple things here, JP, because I know you got a roll. So, first of all, just give us a brief scout on this game Friday night, Billings West. We'll put this thing out a couple of days before the, the game. So, Gallatin High versus Billings West, one of the top teams in the state. So, how the Raptors feeling with uh, the Golden Bears on the horizon? You know, they are they're very they're a very good football team. They're they're big, they're physical, they're fast. You know. They have some talented players on the outside, interior-wise. Like I said, they're big, and they, they, they fly off the ball. And you can tell they're well-coached. They're disciplined uh, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, at the same time, those guys hustle to the ball better than most teams that you watch on film from a high school perspective. Um, you know, they don't give up on plays, even if it's 80 yards downfield or something like that. You'll see a D lineman you know, full sprint, you know, even as the guy's walking into the end zone or something like that. They they are they are a very good good football team from you know, from our perspective, you know, like I said, we're just gonna we're just gonna do whatever we can to make sure that we set kids up for the most success as we possibly can. And, you know, taking the matchups that we like and trying to stay away from matchups that we don't like and go out and I know there's one thing I do know is that our kids will play with as much effort as they possibly can on every single play. So, from the, especially from an offensive line standpoint, you know, I think our kids are going to be ready to rock. Even though we're, you know, averaging about 180, 190 pounds across the board, you know, our little, our, our group of hogs up front will, will do everything they can to uh, leave it all out on the field. Well, last thing for you then, JP. Got to say, proud of you, man, for for continuing to be involved in football. I think it's what small towns in Montana need. I think it's awesome that you guys are helping getting this Gallatin High program off the ground. But obviously, the opportunity for you to come to Montana State years ago has sort of set the stage for everything you got going on in your life. So, how has it set the stage? I mean, what sort of influence has your experience with the Bobcats done for you now, now that you're in your adult life? You know, I can't. 
Like I cannot speak highly enough about my experience as a Montana State Bobcat. It was one of the greatest things to ever happen to me personally. You know, I met some of the best people along that ride and had a, built a great network here in, in now what I would consider home in Bozeman. And, you know, back from the day when I first stepped off the plane on the recruiting trip, came up the gate, saw the, you know, saw those mountains out the window. My dad, I remember my dad told me, he's like, yeah, I, I knew once you looked out that window, I was never getting you back. And what I, what it has done for me is, I mean, I, I can't put it into words, man. I wish I could. <laughs> There's no way for me to describe what, what being a Montana State Bobcat has done for me and what it will always mean to me, you know, going through the going into the future and the rest of my life. Well, JP, distinct pleasure as always. You're always welcome back, whether it's on ESPN Radio or on our podcast series. In the meantime, best of luck with the game Friday night. Thank you so much for taking so much time, and uh, hopefully we cross paths soon. Yeah, man, we need to. Are you going to the game this weekend? Uh, I am actually stuck in Missoula this weekend, and I, but I'll be in Bozeman for uh, the next five home games after that. So this is the only com- conflict I got. Uh, but other than that, I'll be Bobcat Stadium for the rest of the year. All right, well, uh, this may be the only Bobcat game I get to. So, I don't know. We got, hey, Raptors, the rise of the Raptors, man. We're on our way. There's one thing that... I know how to do it. Sit in front of a film screen and watch X and O's all day. So I don't know if I'll be able to make it through another cat game besides this one or not. But hopefully, like you said, we cross paths sooner than later, man. Appreciate the time, man. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Colter. Have a good one, buddy. Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more.